What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, for our New Moon podcast, we're going to be talking about some tools of the trade for witches and Wiccans, specifically. Yes. So I asked Gemini, since this is her year and a day light, to tell us the history and uses of the cauldron, the besom, the athame, the wand, and I don't know what the other one is. And the chalice? And the chalice, yes, yes. Yes. So what did you come up with? Well, I had uh, much better notes before we started recording this, but in my frenzy to get everything ready to record in a different location, forgot my notebook. So I knew a couple of these, like, off the top of my head, so those I'll be better at, and the ones that I'm not, please correct me. Um, I'll start with the athame and the chalice, because when you told me I was going to be doing this, I thought back to like, oh, when's the first time that I ever really learned about these tools? And none of you are going to see this, but Scorpio is going to roll her eyes so hard when I tell her this. The first time that I ever heard about an athame and a chalice was uh, from Dan Brown. (laughs) And there she is. I rolled my eyes. (laughs) Okay. In uh, whatever that Dan Brown book was that was like so famous. But you know why I'm disappointed? I mean... Like, you do D&D, you're into all this stuff, you you didn't hear about a chalice and... I I never heard the word athame until Dan Brown, and oh. chalice was just, like, a fancy drinking goblet. Yeah. The first time I heard about them in any sort of, like, spiritual or mystical... Ceremonial way. Right, was okay. this Dan Brown thing, and he was explaining okay. the chalice is the, the female reproductive system, and the athame is the male reproductive system, and when you put the athame in the chalice, it's sex. And I was, what... 13 years old at the time, and I was like, that sounds weird. And then you read Gardner. And then I read Gardner, and I was like, never mind. That's pretty accurate. When I was looking into what they actually meant, though, I realized that a lot of different traditions have different associations for these things. Right. So, when I looked at the athame, in Wicca, in some practices, it's fire and in some practices it's air ceremonial magicians use it more as air so for our purposes for the podcast i'm going to say the athame represents air but for those of you who are listening and are like well i use it to represent fire you're also totally valid this is very confusing to look up gardner used it considered it um a fire yeah so yeah it all depends on your tradition i think it's confusing i agree I did not enjoy uh, looking it up. It reminded me a lot of tarot because in the traditional imagery for tarot, the swords are fire and the wands are air. And that I don't think resonated with anybody because every time I see anybody like on Instagram or doing readings, we swap them. So wands are fire because they literally can be lit on fire and swords are air because they make those cool swooshing noises. Okay. That's the reason. There's no other reason. Okay, good. So because of Dan Brown, Athame Chalice are automatically tied together for me. I get why Gardner picked Athame as fire, because then the fire and water kind of quench each other. Right. But the Chalice we're very lucky with. We don't have to worry about, like, alternative associations. Wherever I looked, it was pretty consistently water. And this makes sense, because the Chalice can hold liquid. You put liquid in it, you put it on your altar, it represents the water element. Then you had me look up the cauldron, which also was confusing 
Because according to my research, it is the combination of fire and water. Yeah. So it's like the baby of the Athame and the chalice. I like that. Specifically. <laughs> it's the baby. It's the baby. Okay. Specifically, what I was looking at is that it was sort of like a transformational aspect. Because the cauldron, you can put things in and like light them on fire or cover them with liquid. And that creates Which you a should love because you love to set I things on fire. So love yeah. setting things on fire so much. Yeah. I got a super cute pink cauldron when we went to Salem. Yes. Um, and I lit things on fire in it once. And then I kind of broke it, which is impressive because it's made out of iron. Which means we have to go back to Salem. Oh, shucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sounds great. Yes, please. I also... I wrote a little note, there's a little arrow, and it just says iron, because there are traditions in Wicca that work specifically with, like, fairies, and iron objects are an issue with fairies. Fairies don't like iron, so if anybody out there practices fairy Wicca and wants to let me know, do you use iron cauldrons? Are you, like, do you use a different type of cauldron? Are there different types of cauldrons? I don't know. I'd like to know, though. You also have to think about the origins of the cauldron, not Wicca-based. I'm just talking about day-to-day life, right? Oh, yeah. It was the hearth. It was the centerpiece of the home where people went and they gathered and they cooked and they spent time together. So there's a lot of that in it, too. It's all the idea of the the imagery of the cauldron is of a place of gathering and coming together. Yeah. And you're putting things together, quite literally. Not necessarily a spell. It could be a stew. I do love a good stew. You know, there you go. So. Yeah. Kitchen vibes from the cauldron. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Is that the next podcast we're going to do? That'll put it on the list of books we're going to run one day, right? <laughs> Kitchen vibes go. from the cauldron. There you go. The wand and the besom, for me, are like inherently related and yet not. So they're both made out of wood. So immediately when I was doing this, I was like, one of these two is freaking earth. They have to be. There has to be earth in here somewhere. Because at that point, we're going to have all the elements. So does that make the cauldron like spirit? You're, she shrugged at me because she doesn't want to tell me the answers. Cool. Got it. So the wand is air in some traditions and fire in other traditions. Just like the athame is fire in some traditions and air in others. In our case, the wand is fire. We light it on fire. She's nodding at me. I'm Wait. looking for approval from Scorpio. Wait, why are we lighting the wand on fire? We can light it on fire, and that's how I associate it with fire. Okay. We no, don't. It was just kind of weird. Like, and I'm nodding when you said we're going to light it on fire. And I went, Wait, stop. We don't light wands on fire. I mean, we could. Sure, you could light anything on fire. That's, yeah, me yeah. in a nutshell. You can light anything on fire. The wand is for, like, directing energy. Yes. I am doing wand movements with my arm. Right. As I say this, I'm like flick and swish. But you know, when you think about it, um, we're all born with a wand. It's your pointer finger. Sure. Because you are directing energy from you out. So do you actually need this tool? Well, look, the more you use the wand, the more energy goes into it. And the Mm -hmm. more this ceremonial tool is going to have real vibrations to it, real energy in it. But, well, anyway, that's that's further down. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, the besom is technically a broom. Yep. Except it's a ceremonial broom that you don't use for sweeping your house. Right. You use it for sweeping out energies. Right. I was going to say, you are sweeping your house. It's just not touching the ground. You're not actually 
picking up dirt with it. That's right. not what you want to do. Yeah. So we've got the wand is fire. Right. The athame is air. Right. The chalice is water. Mm-hmm. The cauldron is a bunch of stuff. Does that make the besom earth? Nope. So where's earth? I thought maybe by looking this stuff up that I wouldn't have to tell you about the last one. In fact, when you asked me again at one point, you said, can you give me the list? And I almost said it. And then I said, no. You held something back from me? Because I thought if you were looking this up, you would just find it. She, Scorpio misunderstands how Gemini does research, which is... Apparently. You tell me the thing and I find the thing. I just thought that if you're starting to make connections, you would see it's the pentagram. I mean, it's the... The it's, pentagram is the, the representation of Earth? Yeah. Because I thought altar. it was all of them together. It is. Okay. I mean, it is. I mean, you know, it's it's the four elements, fifth, which is spirit. But if you have a pentagram and you'll see pentagrams on, on altars, that's the representation of Earth. Okay. At least that's what I've used. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And my pentagram is made out of wood. The one that Which I use. Which would make sense. You know, because yeah. I want, I and mean, people have it from all different. I mean, I, I, I own other ones as well. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, it's circular. So it's really a pentacle, not a pentagram. Right? The pentacle's got the circle yes. around it. So that's really what you use. And um, yeah, I have all kinds, but mine, if I'm going to have it on my altar or to represent earth, it, to me, it just makes sense. It should be made out of wood. Yeah. But it, you know, it's whatever you want it to be. Okay, so. Pentagram. Yeah. Wood. Yes. Earth. Well, it doesn't have to be wood. <laughs> Pentagram earth. Okay. Wand fire. Yep. Chalice water. Yep. Athame air. Yep. Cauldron transformation. I don't know. Besom sweeping out energies. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. These are basically the tools I think that Gardner sets out mm-hmm. from the beginning. He says these are the things that you need to do ceremony. Right. Um, I am not Wiccan, so obviously I don't use them. Right. Do you? No. Nope. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay, now let's get this straight. The first wand I ever had, I actually made. I love that. I went out into um, the earth. And, <laughs> Nature. And I basically looked around for sticks. I looked around for branches that had already fallen. I wasn't going to rip anything out of How a How old were you when you did this? Oh, my God. 17, maybe? Okay. Um, and I decided I wanted a wand. So I did that, and I, and I clean, cleaned it, um, and then I added crystals to it. And okay. I added, um, I also had, like, strips of material. I, like, I tried mm-hmm. to do something beautiful with it. Yeah. Um, and I had it for many, many years. In fact, um, I even used it in my hand fasting. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. And then it, it got old, and the crystals started to fall off. Yeah. And I felt that when the crystals started to fall off, that was a sign. Mm-hmm. So I found um, another wooded area, and I took I took it apart, and I buried it. I just back, to, it the back to the earth, and, and yeah. I, I said thank you because it you know lasted for a while. So now I've bought you know I have another one that I use that I love. It's it's beautiful. It's quite lovely, and I've used it. I've used it uh, several times, many times. I don't feel it's necessary. My mother has never used these kind of things to either. Um, cast a circle, get energy going. And I feel that the older I get, the more I take from her Mm -hmm. and use what things that she does. I also have a space. So sometimes I just feel like I can raise energy without all these... Extra stuff? Yeah. So I don't really use it. The cauldron, do I burn things in it? Yeah. 
and sometimes I don't. And I don't own a Besom. I want one. Yeah. It you know? would be super cool. I think I want all these things because I like them. Yeah. I like the idea that this is traditional. Um, you know. I have an athame. I had a nicer one. Did we? Did you lose it? Did we talk about this? I lost a bunch of things when I moved. Yeah. So That was a sign. Didn't you lose the top deck when you moved too? Yes. Yeah. That's driving me insane. Though. It's not though. I wonder who has it. I Bad hope luck that that them. I know person that. is happy and healthy in everything that they do. Yeah. Is what I hope. Mm-hmm. I never had any of these tools. Yeah. When I started, obviously I've said this a hundred thousand times, I started like looking into Wicca at the beginning of my path and I remember reading like, you know, these are tools that you use, but I was not buying a ceremonial knife living with my mother. I didn't necessarily like feel called to get a wand or anything like that. So I've never really, I have a cauldron because I like to light things on fire in a I safe mean, and appropriate manner. I have all these things on my altar every single day. Like if you go up to my altar, you would see all these tools. Mm-hmm. Do I use them with the exception of the best? Do I use them? No. I think the one I use the most is probably the pentagram. And that was also, I have that from my hand fasting as well. I've had it, well, before then, but I'm saying, like, so then that's old. the distinction for you is you have the tools. They are representations on your altar, but you no longer need them to do them, or you don't use them as much to do the magic? Right. Okay. I don't use them as much. Do I think that everybody needs them? No. I think it's just something... For me, I felt like it was something I had to have. Yeah. If I'm Wiccan, and I did use them for a really long time, and I'm not saying I don't now... You know, um, especially if the weather's really nice and I'm going to go outside, I want to pull out all my stuff. I want to have things. But sometimes if I'm just going to do a simple ceremony, no, I'm not, I'm not doing all that. Yeah. I don't know how necessary it is, which, you know, is probably a wrong thing to say as a Wiccan, but you know. I don't know. I think, well, first of all, I think that delves into the idea of like British traditional witchcraft Wiccan versus neo-eclectic Wiccan. Because obviously, like, if Gardner were sitting here in the middle of us, he would be like, no, Scorpio, you are not a Wiccan. You have to use all of these tools every time you do magic. That's the rules. Oh, and a man didn't initiate me, right. so there you go. But I don't think anybody... I would hope that people who are listening who are eclectic understand that, like, being an eclectic Wiccan means you kind of get to decide for yourself. Yeah. So I don't think that there's, like, a wrong way... And I think I've just embraced the fact that I'm going to be more bruja than, than Wiccan. You know, yeah. I'm going to incorporate my culture and things that I've learned into the Wicca that I know and love and do follow. But do I feel like I have to follow everything, the letter of the law? No. You know, and like I have a good relationship with my gods, I think. You know, I look up as I say this, right, guys? Um, I talk to them. I don't feel... You get the vibe. I think, you know, you, you even know. get the vibe with yeah. your gods when they need something. Um, and then you you do that thing. You know, you're yeah. like, yeah, I, you know what? I think yes. I should do this. I think Kanunos wants this on, on the on the uh, altar. Yeah. I'm going to get this or whatever. Um, and I think when you're in tune with that, you, you follow that. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I think it's about following your, your, following your gut, your heart, um, and what you think is really good at the moment. I think it's really sort of key that you were like, I used these tools when I first started. Mm. Because I think for a lot of new Wiccans, getting the tools can be 
just another way that you're connecting yourself to your practice and to your religion. Absolutely. That, you know, do we necessarily think that we need them all the time? No, but if you get them and you use them, that can help you when you're just learning and you're not really sure, like, what energy feels like or what all of this is supposed to be. Like, having the tools can help center you. And so it's good to have tools. You have to, in your own practice, determine where they're useful and where they're not. Yeah. I, I think I, I totally agree with you. It, it makes you feel committed. Yeah. You know, you're not just reading books or talking to people. You're actually going to do this thing. You're going to cast a circle. How am I going to do it? You know? Yeah, I'm going to get my tools. Um, but I also don't think people, that should be the first thing they do. They should run out and, and buy tools, mm-hmm. you know, because you can interchange with the athlete. Well, not when it comes to the great right, but. Um, but maybe the first thing you substitute. do shouldn't be the great right. Well, that's true too. But I'm just saying, like, do you need a wand? No, you have your finger. Yeah. Same thing with the athlete. You can cut into your circle and if you have to, which you really shouldn't, but if you have to, you know, you can use your finger. Like, you don't really need these tools. Do you need a chalice? You could get a cup. You could. Yeah. You know? Um, Again, I think it comes down to, we had this conversation about being sky clad. And we said, well, nowadays it's more special to say, I got this robe. Whereas back then when you only own three gowns, you're going... You know what's special? I'm nude. Yeah. That's special. No one sees me in this, you know? Yeah. And that's your special outfit. And so I think that, do you need to have, my chalice has a pentagram on it, okay? My athame, I've carved things into the wooden handle. Mm -hmm. You know, back then, maybe people didn't have, you know, they did go out and get a branch. Yeah. And that branch was going to serve for everything, you know? Um... We have the luxury now. But I yeah. think that if you don't, I don't think you're less of a witch because you're like, you know what? I don't have any of these things. I can't afford it. Go you. Do what. I would rather spend my money on herbs than spend my money on buying this expensive athame, even though they're not that expensive. You know what I mean? Like if you. Yeah, but I mean, some I of them can that. be. I respect that. Like, you know, do you? Like, yeah. you know, you should know what they are. You should know why people use them. And definitely in ceremonies when you're talking about. Um, one of the Sabbaths. Yeah. That's usually when you go all out and you want to pull out all your stuff and you want to use it. Yeah. But, you know, I got to cast a circle tomorrow or whatever. I'm coming home from work and I'm tired. It's like, my finger works. Like, we're good. Yeah. Boom Done. circle. Boom circle. It's there. Elements, you're here. Good. Let's yeah. rock. You know? Um, but I think it's interesting having this conversation because I knew you were going to ask me, do I use them? <laughs> and I feel like it's kind of a letdown to have you look stuff up and then go, yeah. You know, they're cute, but... No, but I think that that's sort of the point of year in a day light is that you you learn the rules before you can break them. And, like, every time I say that, I call it Picassoing. You have to... Picasso. You have to be able to paint fantastic, you know, ballerinas and portraits before you discover cubism and right. change the face of art as we know it. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, am I ever going to use these tools? Probably not. But does it help me to know? Absolutely. And especially because I do tarot, like, they're already inherently tied into what I'm doing. And you use a cauldron because you do like to light things on fire. Yes, because cauldrons are so good for lighting things on fire. You need to make sure you're doing it safely. Yeah. Make sure that they're in an appropriate place. Don't let things be on fire that you're not watching. Right. Tips from Witch Face because I want all of you to be safe and not die. You sure you're Hellenic? You're just not a pyro? You just have a little little bit of both. I was, I've been a pyro from the jump. That was just genetic. And then you found the religion that like went with it and you were like, yes. Basically, yeah. Okay. 
I was like, oh, my gods want me to just constantly burn things. Done. Yes. So, yeah, I say if you're just getting started, it's up to you. And you know what? I think if you're going to get a wand, I think your first one you should make. Because, like, I'm not saying I would never make another one. But I liked going in and I saw these beautiful ones in the store that's no longer there anymore. Um, and I picked it up and I was like, oh, I really love the feel of this. Mm-hmm. I really love, you know, you get to find out like what kind of wood you want or whatever. But making it, especially if you're starting out, makes you think about the intentions of what crystals should be on this. Mm-hmm. Where should it be? What do I want this wand to look like? Because if you go outside, and I do recommend just finding a branch that has fallen. Anytime we have a, a, a rainstorm, you're going to have branches that are down. Yeah. Find a branch that's down, you know. Um, it's going to mean more to you because you took the time. Yeah. And while you're putting this thing together, your energy is going into this wand because you're already saying, okay, as soon as this is ready, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cast my circle. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, and you feel so good. And you got to think about the colors you want with it. So, yeah, I think that before you buy anything, if you can make stuff, if you're handy at all, and I'm not handy, but if you're handy, make stuff. Make stuff because you'll really think about it and you'll cherish it. And it lasted me a really long time. Also, a lot of people who are starting out are doing it young. They're doing it not necessarily like in their own space. Mm. It's a little bit easier to be like, I want to go out in the woods and find a cool stick than to be like, oh, yes, this is my wand. I got a wand. It's a very interesting wand. And also... Like, not to make it about Harry Potter, but a lot of people really love the idea of, like, going into Ollivander's and having a wand that, like, finds you. And, like, you you just go in there and it, it chooses you and you bond with this, like, ebony unicorn hair. That's kind of what you're doing when you're going out and looking for a stick. Like, yeah, you find it, but it equally finds you. Mm-hmm. You're equally going out into nature and being met by what your wand could be. I think that's a really interesting and, like, beautiful almost moment to have happen. To be like, I chose you, but also you have chosen me. You know, another thing that can be very expensive that people have on their altars are um, statues of their gods. Yeah. And, you know, if you can find a representation of something out in nature, use that. Of course, I love my statues. Yeah. But I don't think that's the first thing people should run out and buy. I don't think that that makes you a better witch. I don't think any of this stuff makes you a better witch. I don't think anyone should look at their religious practice and see dollar signs. Yep. I think it, like, yes, is it cool to buy a bunch of witchy stuff? Absolutely. I love doing it. That's why I have 800 tarot decks. But... You don't need money to be a witch. Right. You don't need to have expensive items to be a witch. And you don't, you're not better at witchcraft for spending all that money. Exactly. So, you know, is it fun? Yeah. Do you need it? No. No, you don't. And nobody should say otherwise. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I think everybody does want it. I think you just, when, when you have your altar and it looks pretty. Yeah. You know, like the way you want it and it makes sense to you and... Yeah, I'm not going to say I look at my altar and get sad. I mean, obviously I like that it. That would but suck. That would suck. But, um, but no, I mean, for a long time. And here's the other thing. I didn't know what I wanted in my statues. Mm-hmm. 
And it took me a long time. I had these tiny little statues, these little clay statues that barely looked like, I'm not going to say look like anything, but you could barely tell who they were. Mm-hmm. But I wanted the statue. I didn't know what. And um, and first I saw her. And then when I saw him, I absolutely died. Because I was like, this is yeah. exactly, this is what I wanted. You know? Um, and we also saw statues in Salem. Yeah. That was that was great. That was a wonderful moment to walk in and be like, "Oh, look." Yeah. Let's let's just have a moment with our gods real quick. Yeah. I'm we're definitely going to have to go back. Oh, this. for sure. But yeah, I think that that's something that once you get it and you feel happy because you you know. I think the more you practice, the more you know what you want in a wand, in an athame, and you you know like there are things that took me longer to get than others. Yeah. You know? Um and then once you land on the one you want, you're like, yes, mm-hmm. this is what I was waiting for. There's like a sense of completion. Right. Because if you rush into this, this is your practice. You're going to be using these things. You're going to be putting your energy into these things. So if it's not 100%, is that 100% fit to you? What'd you just buy? Yeah. You know, you're going to want to get rid of it. And then what? I think the important part of what we're saying is that there's a lot of self-reflection in your practice and that there's a lot of looking at why you made the choices you made why did you want this athame why do you want this wand and I think that that sort of comes down to what I really wanted to talk about today which is the idea of like journaling Mm. and the idea that modern pagan practices stemming from ceremonial magic and stemming from wicca inherently include this sort of almost educational aspect, this um, strive for learning, Mm -hmm. that there is always a part of your practice that revolves around reflection or understanding. And part of that is getting in tune with, you know, your own vibes and the energy around you, but it's also getting in tune with your gods and their histories or the tools that you're using and where they came from. Not every pagan practice does this, But I think it's super useful, especially for those people who are starting out, because not a lot of religions really ask you to think critically about what you're doing, to think, why do I want to do this? How am I relating to this? What does this mean to me? And self-awareness only makes you better at witchcraft, understanding where your energy is coming from, what you're feeling in the moment. All of those things make you better, more capable, more qualified. So I think more than anything, the first tool that any witch needs is like a notebook that you want to write in. Agree. Or shit, the notes app on your iPhone, like whatever, (laughs) whatever tool you're going to use, but to just sit down and be like, okay, well, what, what do I believe? And that almost for me was the route that I took because I started looking at Eclectic Wicca, looking at all of these things. And I sat back and I said, this doesn't resonate with me. So what does? My line was hard versus soft polytheism. Wicca tends to be more soft polytheism. Gods of different aspects are all the same kind of vibe. So like love goddesses are from one love goddess or all gods are one god and all goddesses are one goddess kind of vibe, depending on what Wicca you're talking about. Um, The idea that like maybe there's one divine mover. Was this Gardner? And then the gods and goddesses are aspects or entities from that. Right. That's soft polytheism. Right. Hard polytheism 
is all gods are their own entities. They are all unique and different and they do not reflect on each other. And that was very much how I came into it. So I was like, there's no, like Zeus is Zeus and Jupiter is Jupiter and they're two different people. They're Diana and Artemis are two different people. Got it. So for me, I just couldn't do Wicca with that foundation. But if I wasn't being self-reflective, I would have just been a disappointed Wiccan. Got it. Yeah. I would have just been sitting there like, well, this isn't really, I'm not really getting it. Why am I not feeling this? Because what I inherently believed wasn't meshing with what I was doing. And that's, I think, more important than like, do get an athame or don't get an athame. Know why you want the athame. If you are using it and you're not loving it and you sit back and reflect and go, you know what? this athame isn't for me, or I don't need it in my practice, then you become better and you grow. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. Um, and I think I, I think about the um, conversation we had about Book of Shadows. What happens if you put something in your Book of Shadows and you need to change it? So I'm going to tell you something about my practice. Yay! That people are going to say... Some people might just say, that's it. She's so full of crap. How can she call herself a witch? So... I've had several bound books mm-hmm. and my handwriting is not the best. As you can see from my notes, if you look, sometimes even I go, what is that word that I wrote? I yeah. just took the notebook and I, I moved it closer to me and moved it further you know, away. So I had, there was this witch that worked with wood and she made a binder for me and it's got a beautiful pentacle and of course it I has a... Scorpio on it. Of course it has a Scorpio on it. Because everything has to have a Scorpio on it. Um, so she made this binder, and not going to lie, I type stuff up, and I draw in it, and I do all these things, and if it doesn't come out right, I open it up, and I take it out, and I know that that is so against what Wiccans believe, that it's got to be handwritten, it's got to be this. Okay, the other thing is, I'm getting older, as we all are, hopefully, and um, my eyesight's going to start failing, and then what? One, my handwriting is garbage. Two, my handwriting is going to look smaller. You know, I do not want to be the kind of person who's trying to do something and has my notebook so far away from my face because, you know, or I need my glasses. I really wanted something that was clear. And I love it because when I type something out, I can have a drawing next to it that can help me. Or if I'm thinking something, you know, how I want a ceremony to go, I can draw it out and then I can have the writing really clear. The text can go around Mm -hmm. the drawing. You know... And I know there are some witches that are like, that is horrible. How can you type up your book of shadows? And I just say, who's using the book? Yeah. It's me, right? Thank you. Now, do do I ever take things out and throw them out? I don't. Do you burn them? No. I put them in another. <laughs> You're a hoarder. No, here's the thing. I like to save things because I like to see, you talked about reflection. I like to see where I was. Where I am as a witch today is different from where I was as a witch five years ago. That doesn't mean she was a bad witch. She was just a different witch. She was a different witch. And I respect that stuff, but I don't need it in this binder because it's just going to get too big. So I do have, so am I, I I guess I'm a little bit of a hoarder. So I have other binders that are not as beautiful, let's say, but I do keep older things there and they're kind of organized so that I know where I was at a certain point. Isn't that the kind of same same thing as writing it out? I don't know what the magic is in writing it out. I think, well. And I could be wrong. 
So Oh, here we go. I am wrong. No, you're you're not <laughs> you're not wrong, but one of the things that I say very often is that when you write things repeatedly, you remember them. That's true. So for me, like I like to write things down because I get that muscle memory kind of vibe. Got I it. can feel it in my hands. Yeah. But I don't see any reason why typing something up wouldn't have the same intention. And I hot take from Gemini, I think it's a little bit ableist. Like there are a lot of people out there who can't for a variety of reasons write their book of shadows by hand. True. Maybe they can't sit for that long. Maybe their hands shake. Like that's I don't want to keep anybody out of witchcraft. And if you're going to have a beautiful book of shadows that is legible because you typed it, go for it. Can I tell you how I memorize things? I have to do them. You can teach me theory all you want, mm -hmm. and I could take a million notes, but until I actually get up or say or whatever, it's not, I'm not going to remember it at all. If I have a spell or I have a ceremony that I have written, you have to do it. I have to do it. And once I've done it, I'm going to say twice. Not the first time, because I might be still working out the kinks. Mm -hmm. Once I've done it twice, I've got it. Like, that's I'm good. Awesome. I'm done. Like, that's it. But it doesn't matter if I've written it by hand or I've typed it out. I have to physically do whatever things you're teaching me. I have, have to, to do, do it. it. So the last thing that I want to ask, mm -hmm. because this is actually really central to my practice, and I am not entirely sure where I got it from. Is the Book of Winds a Wiccan thing? I have no idea what the Book of Winds is. Okay. It could be Wiccan. Right? I mean, That's I'm true. not the authority on Wicca. Well, you're our... I'm not Gerald Gardner, so... <laughs> you're the one that I have. You're the Wiccan that I've got. <laughs> so, I'm not sure if I read it somewhere, or I was on the internet a lot uh -huh. as a teenager, so maybe I found it on the internet. But I remember finding somehow this concept of, like, the Book of Winds as the reflective journal. Oh, okay. As the thing that you go back to and, like, almost like a diary Girl, of your it practice. could be a thing. It could. Well, if it's not a thing... I'm patenting it. Okay. <laughs> Gemini's patented Book of Winds. Everyone should have one. It's freaking great. Oh my God. That's what I do is I keep these books and I'll, I'll take notes from our, I was about to say PDs, <laughs> notes from our like um, classes that we take. I'll write down tarot readings that I've done. But they are professional development when we take a class. Think about it. That's true. Because this is, yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. Yes. Yeah. From our professional developments, yeah. our uh, religious developments, our RDs. And I just keep it all in that book. And then I can go back and look at it and be like, all right, well, what did I take away from the magical alphabets class? Like, what was the thing that I need to keep? Right. What about this tarot reading helped me move forward? What about this tarot reading is happening right now? You know, what dream did I have the other night that I think might be meaning something? Having that book for me allows me to really understand what I'm doing and, and how and why I'm doing it versus just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. If anyone knows where uh, the Book of Winds came from, please reach out to us at witchspaceco on Instagram or witchspaceco at gmail.com. I'm super interested. I want to know. Or reach out to us about anything. Actually, someone did reach out to us and I wanted to address that before we're done. Okay. So this was the question that was asked. When, was it when, when should a person come out of the broom closet? Like how and when should you do it? Or should a person come out of the broom closet? It was something like that. So mm -hmm. to that effect. And um, I answered the person, but I wanted to hear what you thought. 
So, so that was the question. When should a person come out? I think it was when. When should a person come out of the broom closet? And I said, why do you ever have to come out of the closet to people? You know, I don't meet people and go, so you're Jewish? You're Catholic? Yeah. Like, where are you? Like, I don't care. It's kind of, To me, religion and gender are two things that don't, well, they could tell you a lot about a person. I guess a religion could tell you a lot about a person. I don't feel like gender necessarily does. Yeah. You know, I don't feel that they're necessarily that interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, oh, you're a Lutheran. Okay, where do I go from that? Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know? Oh, you're cis male. That's nice. Like, what? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with any of that yeah. information. So I kind of feel that religion goes in there. So I don't think you have to tell people, like, hi, my name is and I am. No. I think the question becomes when you are confronted with it, when somebody either realizes it mm-hmm. or asks you point blank. And I told the person, I think it depends on who's asking you. Yeah. Okay. Some people come to you with respect. Some people come to you because they need help. Yeah. You know? Um, and they think you are and you might be and maybe you can help me. And you can sense that. You can sense when somebody is asking you because it's gossip, because they think they're going to run back and tell somebody because they think it's cool. Yeah. And when somebody maybe is stuck and thinks you can help them. And I know at work, there are some people that may not be my friends at work, but they know. And I've actually helped them yeah. with things, with like healing spells and stuff. Um, and I'm glad to do that. And I know they respect what I do, even though they're not witches, not trying to be witches. Yeah. Um, and then people who just want to know because they think it's cool. I'm just, I don't feel I have to answer you. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, I work. I work in a place where I was concerned about being out and it was a student who, um, who realized it. And then I realized because that student realized that I love and respect them so much that if they, if I'm out, it just helps everybody. Yeah. You know, I still don't go around telling people in meetings, hi, you know, I'm a Wiccan. Ask me how, like, you know, I don't do that. But for me, it was that decision. It was that decision of respecting my student and just saying, yeah, they need me to be out. So, you know, yeah. sometimes I do wear things that are very obvious, you know, at, at school, you know, um, but I, I don't ever, ever discuss it. Yeah. You know, I had a student once ask me in, not in person, like they didn't come up to me. Well, it was in person, but I mean, it wasn't like a one-on-one. She was sitting down and she said, so are you a witch? And I said... Like in class? In class. Oh my God. And I said, excuse me, what does that have to do with anything that I'm teaching here? Nothing, right? Next. And I yeah. wouldn't address it. You know, if you come up to me after class, I would say, well, why do you need to know? Like, what is... Yeah. You know, and sure, you know, I am. But no, not in front of a class yeah. like that. Like, are you insane? Like, I'm not discussing this. My religion is not... But again, to a lot of people, it's cool. Yeah. Quote, unquote. I'm doing air quotes. You know, so that's why they want to know. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to entertain the cool factor, but if it'll help people, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with being out. But I thought it was, it was an interesting question because it does depend on where you are. Yeah. You know? I think the process of coming out of any closet, whether it's, you know, a religious thing, whether it's a sexuality thing, whether it's a gender thing, is an individual 
process. And there is no hard and fast rule that we can say. It it would be unsafe, honestly, to say you have to tell everybody you're a witch after a certain amount of time. No, you might live somewhere where you can't do that, where people are going to treat you differently, where the response is going to be having a negative impact on your life. You also might live in a place where that's not going to be a problem and you feel perfectly comfortable doing that. And that's wonderful. And I hope that everybody gets to that place at some point. For me, I, my witchcraft practice and my religious practice are two separate things. So I'm much more comfortable saying, oh yeah, I'm a witch, than I am explaining to people what my religion is. I am truthfully more comfortable if people just assume that I'm a Wiccan. Because my religious practice is so personal and I'm so afraid of being judged or having someone react badly that I just really don't talk about it. Like, I, I will happily be like, oh, yeah, tarot reading. Oh, yeah, astrology. Let's do all of this. Okay, so I've been making a face of Gemini the whole time because she tells me, okay, so you're saying right now you don't care about being a witch. Why are we Gemini and Scorpio? Because this is a very recent development. Sorry. Oh. I see why this is happening. Okay. Um, yeah, so for most of my life, I was very quiet about it. Basically, until we started the podcast. Okay. I was dead silent about it. Because my family is Catholic and I really didn't want to deal with any of the fallout. Recently, because my friend group has grown to incorporate people who are, like, more vocal about being spiritual and more vocal about being witchy or, like, witch-adjacent, I feel more comfortable being like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. Got it. But it's, you know, basic stuff. I love talking about tarot cards. I love talking about astrology. I'm not sitting down with anybody and being like, this is how I write a spell. This is the last spell that I did. You know what I mean? So it's very surface level. And I think that that, for me, I do as a barrier. Like, I'm cool with people seeing a surface level of witchiness. Like, I'm fine with that. My problem that I'm having now is that I don't come out to people. People are coming out for me. So, like, I'll be introduced to somebody... And I, I had a, a girl at work sort of do this to me. They'll say to people when we're just meeting them, like, oh, this is Gemini, she does tarot readings. Oh, this is Gemini, she's a witch. And it's like, I want to find that space for myself. So that's, I think, the bigger problem. Have you told her to stop? She got fired. So we're good. It's great. Because yeah. I don't think I would be comfortable having somebody say... I hate that. Yeah. That, I think, is, especially for people in this position, I think more so than with sexuality, people don't realize why we're so secretive about this. Mm. Like, muggles don't get it. They see this and they're like, oh, tarot is so cool. Witchy stuff is so in. I want to introduce everybody to my witch friend. But it's like, no, please don't introduce everybody to your witch friend. I don't know whether or not I trust the people that you're introducing me to yet, I don't know whether or not they're, like, my crazy Catholic uncle who's gonna think that I'm the devil spawn. I don't know. And especially me. I've spent so many years, like, very much having a wall up that, like, I don't want to deal with having to navigate both admitting that I am a witch but narrating it in a way that makes it non-threatening. 
Well, I, I, I get that. I was just thinking, how many fucks do I give? Yeah. So I don't care about coming off as threatening. What I don't, my experience has been when people know, then it's like, so what do you do? So do you worship the devil? Yeah. So do you, and it's like, what, you know what? Google it. Like, why you gotta ask me anything, yeah. first of all? And then, uh, do you think you could help me with, uh, no. No, right? literally never. I don't have a sign on me that says, need a spell? Like, I, I don't. You know, people who know and people who, I will always help somebody who needs some sort of healing spell. That's something that you don't, I don't even care if I hate you. You know, you have a loved one in the hospital, I'm on it if you want me to. But, you know what, don't ask me for anything. Like, you know, I'm not Santa Claus. I think I, I figured out the one rule. What? There's one rule for when you come out of the broom closet. Yeah. You should not come out of the broom closet until you are ready to be inundated with people asking you for love spells. Oh, God almighty. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't or, tell anybody. Or a and love they, reading. Or a love oh, reading. Constantly. Okay? I hate it when people that I know are in bad relationships. Because then they come to you and it's like, I don't need to be a witch to tell you, you're dating an asshole. Yeah. You know? But no, can you ask the cards? And it's like, bitch. I can, but no. I hate you. The cards hate you. (laughs) And we both hate the person you're with. Yes. Please stop. Yes. So love anything. I don't want to do a reading for you. I don't want to do a love spell for you. Like, nothing love. No. There's nothing I hate more than when people are like, oh my God, like, tell me about my birth chart. And then halfway through the reading, they're like, so like, am I a good match for my boyfriend? Yeah. It's like. No. No, you're not a good match for your boyfriend. No. Astrological compatibility is not a thing that I'm doing. That takes hours. I am in a salon chair right now. Absolutely. (laughs) You should be, like, and I guess the thing that bothers me even more is, like, if I'm going to put hours of my life into doing a compatibility reading for you, like, I feel like I should be compensated for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm going to spend 10 to 15 hours of my life, you should take me out to dinner. Yeah. Right? You should do free highlights. Yeah. But people find out that you're witch adjacent and they're like, oh my God, do all of this stuff for me for free. And that's, yeah. That's and something like else you gotta think about. It's one thing to do it because I am, like, I love and care about you and I want to help you. It's another thing to make the assumption, well, you're going to do this because that's what you do. Yeah, and it's not what I do. It's No, it's not at all. So anyway, that's the rule. The, there is something else that I was thinking about too mm-hmm. that I think is important. Um, so I was just thinking about the differences between us Mm -hmm. and what I think is funny is that I think you, you project more love and light. Yeah. And yet, even though you don't hex, I think that if someone pushed your buttons, you would have no qualms. Whereas I would go, I don't know if I should do this. So I think that we project almost the opposite because our practices are so different. That people don't realize it. Like, yeah. when somebody got you really angry recently, and all I could think about was, she's going to hex you. Like, you better stop. Gemini is going to hex you. Yeah. Like, and I, I did have, like, a little giggle fit in my car mm-hmm. thinking about it one day because I just thought, she's got no clue that she's gotten you this. I didn't even know you were going to get that angry. And yeah. I was like, she has got no clue that Gemini is this angry. And she's going to hex your ass. She's not me. I hold back. She's I not holding back. I'm like, I so, hope you lose your remote. So I just think it's kind of funny that, you know, so we project that because we're very different. Um, and people, I, I get love. I get love less. I get a lot of healing things mm-hmm. people want. Because I think they also see, 
because you can also see everything on my face. I yeah. have a very bad poker face. So I think they know when I'm like checked out when I'm looking at them. And yeah. whenever somebody tells me there is somebody in their family or they're not feeling well, I focus in. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what do you need? Like that, that to me is like so important to just help people, you yeah. know, in that respect. So they see that. I think they ask me for stuff less unless they know me. If they really know me, then then they annoy me. But if they don't, yeah. I don't get, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not going to be asking me. And I think one look from me just is going to shut them up. You are like, definitely, like, more frightening looking than I am well, when it comes you. to, like. <laughs> no, but, like, you look, like, much more of a traditional idea of a witch. Like, a right. lot of black, very goth. Yeah. And that scares people. Scares people. Whereas I am constantly in something pink. Yeah. I'm very bubbly. I'm very, like talkative all the time so for them it's oh yeah oh hey gemini like um what about like reading my yeah as if it's just like a casual conversation and i am also just like i'm much more of a slytherin i'm much more like i'm just gonna put on a nice face and like yeah of course and then i'll hex you behind your back yes i'm very gemini (laughs) yes she does (laughs) but the other thing i was gonna mention and then we started talking about something else no that's fine um I think before you start opening your mouth, feel confident in something. And for your own protection, make that something be, you know how to protect yourself. Yeah. You know how to shield. Because some people are like, oh, so you're a witch, huh? And you don't know who they are. And they could be telling you, oh, I'm curious. But they're not because they're a witch and they've been doing it longer. And now they just want to mess with you because they might just be bad people. I'm not saying that it's a good thing to do to people. Um... You know, they might want to test you to yeah. see what you know. Um, and all of a sudden, you're not feeling too well. So that's the other thing to think about. Who are you? How protected are you? How confident are you? So don't start this journey and start telling everybody, you know, you're a witch because you don't know what's going to come at you. Yeah. So just take care of yourself. And then when you're confident... Even then, wait a little bit longer and then really be sure because you don't know who's out there and, you know, some people are not as nice and... Some people are worse than me. Yeah. And also, it's kind of annoying when someone's been doing it for a week and they come up to you. Like, I won't do it because it's not what I do, but sometimes you're like, I'm just going to mess you up because you're just being an obnoxious kid. Like, just stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think those are our hot takes. Um for everything. I feel like we had some really, like, this was a very neutral. There was only really one hot take. Yeah, that's true. This was, true. this was a good, nice, kind episode. Yeah, I think so. To wrap it up, we got five major tools. Yeah. Athame, Chalice, Cauldron, Besom. That's five. We've got some tools. <laughs> Athame, Chalice, Cauldron, Wand, Besom. yeah. Also the pentagram yes. and or pentacle. Right. And... Journaling in some form. Yes, absolutely. Whether you're keeping your book of winds or your book of shadows or insert additional books here. Absolutely. And you should come out of the broom closet whenever you feel the most comfortable. But maybe wait like two weeks after you start feeling comfortable before you do it. Yeah. Just be careful. Protect yourself. It's the most important thing. So that means we're on to the next new moon, which is going to be what? There's a holiday coming up. Oh, crap. Our next new moon is... Lunasa. Nice. Which is August 1st. Yes. And do you have any assignments for me? So here's the deal. Oh, crap. (laughs) Okay. Um, I hate summer. 
I just want to put that out there. Agreed. Um, it's gross. It's already too warm in the lower Hudson Valley, and it's only like 88. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's... I've had it. I'm done. I'm kind of ready for fall, and that's where Lunasa comes in. So I'm even going to tell you what Lunasa is, but you don't have to even, you know, research that. Mm -hmm. So it's the first of the harvest festivals. So it's like, yay, fall is coming. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have your, she's got her pen. I got my pen and my notebook ready because I know she's going to tell me to do something and I want to make sure I don't forget it. So here's the thing. We have three harvest festivals. I want you, Uh since this is the first, what do you think? I'm writing it down while I she know. says it. She's adorable. What do you think you should do on Lunasa? What would be an important thing for a Wiccan to do to begin the harvest? Especially, I'll tell you something. It, it's funny because as a teacher, it's awesome because it gets me ready for school. I, I think of June as Friday night. It's a long Friday. I love that. July is Saturday night every day. It's Saturday. And then August and is Sunday. And August starts to feel like Sunday. Like I... I've it's got just a my, month long Sunday scaries. Yeah, it's like my, my days are dwindling. I'm going to start school, and it, I start school in the fall. So, Lunasa is great because it starts getting me thinking about fall, which I love. So, even though it's like 100 degrees <laughs> August first, what can you do? What what should a what should a witch do? And how do you think you can even get in the fall spirit? How can you get into Lunasa's spirit when it's 100 degrees outside and yet it's the first of the harvest festivals? What's an important thing to do? So you're going to tell me what you came up with. I will answer both of those questions yeah. in our next New Moon podcast. Yep. The next Full Moon podcast will be our discussion, not of Robert Graves, but of Charles Leland. We yes, switched summer it up reading. a little bit. So summer reading will be two weeks from now, and then two weeks from that we will hear about Lunasa. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Again, please reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns at witchspaceco on Instagram or witchspaceco at gmail.com. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. 